This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta. Online at AudiAugusta.com. Mark Rolfing covers the game for NBC Sports and Golf Channel. Oh, it's always a pleasure to welcome Mark Rolfing back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, Mark? I am really good, John. Um, just unbelievable to me that another year has gone by. It was a strange one. Uh, but it was also a fast one, and I guess maybe that's what happens when you get older like me. That's, they tell me that. That's what they say. Um, all right, so if I ask you to think back on the 2021 PGA Tour season, off the top of your head, Mark, what's the first thing that strikes you? The first thing that strikes me about the season um, – I don't know. I guess maybe because it was pretty recent, but I just thought the Ryder Cup was one of the most spectacular golf events I have ever seen. Given everything that we had been through um, and and just all the logistical challenges that that event had to go there, to be a part of that, I spent three weeks in Wisconsin. Um, it was just it was a spectacular event. Uh, so I've still kind of got the Ryder Cup on my mind. But, you know, my general impression is it was a strange year. I mean, my heavens. Uh, you know, we had two U.S. Opens and two Masters in the same season. That, that says it all pretty much right there. Is, is, is the Ryder Cup the best event in golf in your, in your eyes? Uh, no. Uh, the Masters huh. is the best event in golf. Um the Masters is the most important golf tournament in the world. I will tell you that, I think. Um, I think the Open Championship is pretty close. The, the majors have sort of reshuffled um, throughout my career. I think when I, when I grew up and playing, when I played competitively, I, I think the U.S. Open might have been number one in terms of importance and things like that. But I think it's probably the Masters. Now, I will tell you this, though. I believe the Ryder Cup has become the most compelling event in golf. I, I really think it is. It's just amazing how much it's talked about on a year-round basis. And um, when you listen to the players, that interview McElroy did at the end of his match when he said, you know, it's it's the best event in golf. Um, that's a guy who not that long ago, a couple decades ago, said it was nothing more than an exhibition. What do you think changed it for him? I, you know, I think just – being part of a team and seeing how different that is from what he does every week of the year and having to rely on other people and having to see um, just how motivated everybody gets. Um, you know, here are the best players in the world playing in the middle of Wisconsin, the middle of nowhere for no money when they play golf for a living. Um, and 50,000 people showed up every day and millions watched around the world only in golf could that happen it wouldn't happen in any other sport and um i don't know it's just uh, it's got a rooting interest john patrick that you know a lot of other golf events don't have and frankly i think that's what's held golf back if you take a look at the nfl and nba and baseball i mean there, there's a rooting interest you know for almost everybody you're rooting for your hometown team or you're betting on the on the games or whatever it all is that causes you to root. Golf hasn't had that. It's, it's starting to change now, and the Ryder Cup's really helped that. Has it not had it, Mark, because we haven't had that one singular, well, Tiger, we haven't had that one singular person on which to focus? I think that's part of it. Um, 
But, you know, rivalries are pretty hard to generate in golf in, in general. First of all, um, golf is the, the, the nature of our game is such that it attracts really, really good people. There aren't a lot of villains. Sure, it's easy to root against Ian Polster in a Ryder Cup um, or, or Patrick Reed in a Ryder Cup, let's say, if you're on the other side. But who's going to root against Justin Rose or who's going to root against Roy McIlroy? It's really hard to generate rooting interests in, in golf. And uh, I think the whole gambling aspect is probably going to change that now. Uh, but generally more and more we're seeing fan participation increase. You know, they're a lot more vocal and they're way more involved and they're going to be even more involved if they're betting on the matches now. You know, you, you're talking about professional golf when you talk about great people in the game, but that boils down to the recreational game too. I mean, great people play the game of golf. Yeah, they really do. Uh, you know, I owe pretty much everything that's happened to me that's been great in my life to, to having been introduced to the game. And, boy, you can find out a lot about a person. You know that as well as anybody. Uh, if you spend four and a half hours with them out on a, on a golf course, it takes a unique uh, type of person to be able to thrive uh, in, in a game, you know, where basically you, uh, you know, you succeed you know, a very small amount of time. Uh, it's a hard game, We're ta- um, but it takes unique people that are involved in it, and I think that's the thing I enjoy about the game more than anything else is the people. We're talking with Mark Rolfing here on the Augusta Golf Show. I wasn't going to ask you this, but now I'll ask you both ways. No names. You ever played around with golf with someone and, and never played with them again? And, and have you played around with golf with someone that you just met and wanted to play with them more? I would say yes and yes. Um, I, I, I've played, and I'm not going to name names, um, with people that are fairly well-known people that I saw do things on the golf course that were not appropriate. And um, as far as I'm concerned, if you, if you do it there when you think nobody's looking, um, you know, what are you going to do in other aspects of life? You're probably going to do the same thing. So, again, I think you can tell a lot about a person by playing golf with them. Um, I want to ask him, what was the best major of the year? But I think in 2021, it's an easy answer, and that might be the PGA and Phil's victory. Was that the best major? You know, I suppose it was, but it was just such a fluke. I, I still don't understand how that happened. Um, I, it just You talk about every single star aligning for Phil Mickelson it did there, and it, and it even had a little aspect of what Tiger used to do to guys, uh, you know, when they were trying to chase him down during his prime, um, you know, they kind of melted away and made bad decisions. I thought Brooks Kepka made a couple of terrible decisions coming down the stretch, and I, I'm not sure if it hadn't been Phil that, that he would have done that. Uh, hard to say, but, boy, it all aligned towards Phil. Um I still believe, though, that maybe the greatest image uh, of all the majors was Hideki Matsuyama's caddy, uh, you know, taking a bow there at 18 after it was all over. Um, I don't know, was the Masters the most exciting of the tournaments? Probably not. But uh, in a lot of ways, it was one of the most gratifying for me, for sure. Um, The amount of money that we're talking about now out on tour, does that concern you in any way? Mark, or is it is it just a reflection of progress? It does concern me. It concerns me a lot. Um, I think it's too much. Um, you know, our volunteers 
are still buying their golf shirts. And and we're raising purses. I mean, out here at the Century Tournament of Champions, you know, we just raised the purse again. You know, so that basically with, with 32 or 33 players in the field, it basically means that last place, you know, goes from 65000 to 90000 How much money do you need? I, I, I think it's gotten to be too much. Um, I know it's being driven by this whole Saudi money grab in, in a way, which I think is just horrendous. Um, I don't think it has a chance of working, um, but it's going to derail a couple of players, I think, in my mind, um, which, is, which is too bad. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd like to see it slow down a little bit. A lot of the tournaments are struggling to make ends meet, and charitable donations, you know, are, are in question. And it's just really, really hard, you know, when you're pushing more and more money towards players. Um, last week, we've been bombarded by Tiger. Watching him on video, hit on the range, his press conferences. Do Mark? Do you think he plays in something next year? I don't know. Um, you know, he said uh, he really wanted to play in the Open at St. Andrews. I don't blame him. I, I want to be at the Open at St. Andrews myself. Um, I, I think Tiger will play again competitively. I think uh, it'll be a very limited schedule. Um, he's not going to be able to practice the way he used to, and, and that would have changed anyway, regardless of his injuries from a car accident. I mean, He's a, a single father right now, you know, and he's raising kids, and they're getting to be that age where they really need him around a lot. And I think things were going to change. When I look at Tiger, though, you know, I really feel like his legacy has been written on the golf course. It, that's never going to change. Nothing he does between now and the end of his playing career is going to change that. I'm, I'm convinced. But where his legacy has not been written is off the course. We heard his dad talk about it for years and years, the impact that he could have on the world. Um, his legacy off the course has not been written yet, and what's been written, for the most part, hasn't been that great. So I really hope he focuses on, you know, writing the legacy off the course for the rest of his life. And I think if he does, he could do some amazing things. He really could. And um, to me, that's where he should focus. We started by talking about how quickly the year has gone. You have been so incredibly kind to be the last guest I have on the show each year. We've done this now, I don't know, three, four, five years. Mark, thank you for saying yes again this year. Thank you for everything. I, I look forward to seeing you in April. Okay, and I'll ask you a question. Who's going to be the number one player in the world when we talk a year from now? You tell me. Colin, Colin Morikawa. Okay. Um, I, I think you could well be right, but uh, do you I, know, I could see Victor Hovland or Xander Shoffley or Justin Thomas or John Rahm or <laughs> I don't know. It's The game's in a really good place right now, and uh, we're never again going to have a real dominant player, I don't think. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Mark, um, happy holidays. Thanks for saying yes. All right. Take care. You got it, and I'll see you in April.